and welcome to Circumstantial Failures. My name is Matthew, your host, and for those that haven't read the blurb to this podcast, um, we're going to be meeting various fantastic guests who will be joining us, um, talking about some of the experiences that may not have necessarily gone to plan, maybe some personal setbacks, and just understanding some of the circumstances that may have surrounded those experiences and understanding where they may have been a bit out of our own control. My first guest, I am so incredibly grateful to be joined by Brendan from Master Talk. Master Talk is a fantastic resource for anyone who is preparing to give a speech, go into an interview, wants to improve their networking or just hold their own around the dinner table. Um, I'm actually going to be particularly conscious about my ums and ahs because I know that is something that you've spoken about in one of your teachings. So I'm going to do my best to avoid um, that slip up, but no promises, Brendan. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Of course, Matt. It's great to be on. (laughs) And no worries, there won't be any judgment here. (laughs) You can give me a score at the end. Yeah, you can't go into minuses though. Um, So before we go into um, some of your experiences that may not necessarily have gone exactly as you would have wanted, can I just ask you about what inspired you to start Master Talk? Yeah, absolutely, Ben. So, So the story started when I was in university, college. I went to business school and I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age, like playing rugby or something, or footy or some other sport, you probably wouldn't see me playing. I was doing presentations competitively, and that's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, Matt, I started coaching people who were younger than me on how to communicate. Not because I was this fantastic communication coach, but because the alternative they had was a rock, so I guess they chose me. So I started helping them, and then I had the idea for the YouTube channel because I realized that a lot of the concepts I was teaching students wasn't available for free on the internet. So I started making videos. I called it Master Talk, and it turned into something I never could have imagined a few years later. That's fantastic. Thanks, Brendan. And can I ask, what, what sort of people do, do you most engage with when you're uh, doing your presentations, when you're, you know, when you're going out and meeting people? Who, who are some of the, what's the sort of atypical or, or non-typical person that you work with? Yeah, absolutely, Matt. So there's kind of two categories. One is like the world in general, right? The general public, you know, that's, I want everyone to have access to Master Talk, like the YouTube channel that's free. And the reason is because I think communication is relevant for all of us, right? Because it's not just about getting the next corporate meeting done and, and getting the next sale in our business. It's the way we talk to our families, right? It's the way that we engage with other people. It's the way that we lead a more fulfilling life. It's the way we communicate to ourselves. So that's free for everybody. But the people I generally work with are people who, when they invest in communication, they make more money from it. So it makes more sense for them to invest. So that could be a few different categories. Executives primarily in corporate. It could be entrepreneurs, world changers, even podcast hosts in some situations, people who want to really scale their shows. So people who are who are owning a platform, who have a career where they can monetize communication and make more money than hiring a coach. Yeah, yeah. And and can I ask what what sort of what level do they come to you at? I mean, do they um you know, you mentioned a podcast host, so you'd hope they'd have some level of communication skills, but or I I mean, is it a real range of people? Can you, do you get sort of real introverts and, and then sort of extroverts, but just looking to try and hone some of their communication skills? 
Yeah, it's it's definitely a big range, man. But I would say, you know what I found the most fast? Because I've been doing this for seven years, and I started when I was 19. And I'm entering, like, my seventh or eighth year of coaching people. And I think what I've realized is whether you're coaching a five-year-old kid or a 50-year-old man who's an executive or a woman, I've realized the principles are actually the same. Because everyone is always missing the foundation. There's always something they're not doing correctly from a basic perspective. So I actually coach them all the same way. It's just the approach of the delivery is different. So for the five-year-old kid, I'm not being brutally honest about the 70 things that they could be working on. I'll you just suck. Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to help them. So I'll say, Sally, there's a secret. Do you want to know what the secret is to be the best speaker in the world? And Sally goes, yes, I want to know the secret. And I go, Sally, the secret is share your beautiful smile with the world. So I don't actually give her That's tips. Great. I just give her confidence. But when I'm talking to the executive, I'm a lot more in your face, and I, I, I bring them through hell a little bit so they get the result because they pay me a lot of money to work with me. So so that's a different yeah. approach. Yeah, yeah. No, that's absolutely fair enough. Um, and so I guess following on from that sort of range of people that come to you, um, you know, what what would you would you give would you be able to give a ratio for someone who is you know, instinctively better suited to improving some of their communication skills. And then somebody sort of no matter how much you work with them are, are always going to possibly struggle a little bit. Um, yeah. Would you be able to sort of, you know, sort of put that to a ratio, a number, would you say? Uh, I wouldn't give a number per se, but I can definitely give you a range. So, so yeah. here's my belief, Matt. My belief is that anyone can be a great communicator unless you just can't speak at all. Right. That's the that's I don't know how to coach that. Maybe I'll figure that out later when I learn sign language. But I'd say for for most people who know how to speak, they can do it. And I'll just tell you why, because I'm the living case study of it. You know, I sound like a great speaker now. Definitely wasn't the case growing up. You know, I grew up, uh, you know, to in Montreal in Canada and in Montreal, for those who don't know, you need to know how to speak French to do well in the city. I do not know French or I did not know at the time. So my parents sent me to French school. So not only was I scared of communication, I had to present a language I didn't even know. So imagine being an eight-year-old kid, looking at your audience and going, uh, bonjour? And that was my life. <laughs> that's a great accent. And that's one <laughs> of three challenges. Second one is I got a crooked left arm, right? So I had a massive operation on my left arm when I was two. Oh. And because of that, when I was in kindergarten and first grade, man, I had a massive cast. Right when I where I'd go around. Oh, I'm fine now. Oh, but the point. Yeah, yeah. But but, but the point yeah. I want to drive is like it was really hard to make friends. Imagine you're like six years old, man, and you don't you don't speak the language, and you're wearing a cast. Who the hell wants to talk to you? Nobody wants to talk to you. Right. So <laughs> even the teachers. Yeah, even the teachers struggle. <laughs> I got lucky though because I'm a Canadian, so a lot of the kids were somewhat nice to me. But uh. but still, it was a challenge. And then the third thing, I'm not even done yet, man. You think I'm done now, right? So, so the third piece is you would think that a communication expert studied in communication in university. I have a bachelor's degree in accounting, brother. <laughs> so yes, do I think accounting is a expert? solid? It's a solid profession, don't you know? <laughs> so yeah, I rest my case. I, I really do believe anyone can be a better communicator. I mean, Jack Ma is another great example. He's the CEO and founder of Alibaba. I don't think he's a CEO anymore. Looking at his super thick Chinese accent, yet his English is very good because he put in the time to get better. So if he can do it, all of us can too. Okay, okay. So this is possibly going to be a bit of a tough sell if I'm sort of saying, you know, 
maybe look at the circumstances. You're you're really coming at it from a you know anyone can do, anyone can improve. That's that's cool. Okay, and you're welcome to debate s- me though. I'll beat no, you. No, but no, you're welcome. Well, I guess. <laughs> No, no, well, I mean, what you were saying just a moment ago dovetails in a little bit into my next question, which was, can you can you talk about a pitch or a presentation or a speech that you've given that, that you know, that hasn't gone as as you as you had hoped? Oh, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and sort of what 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 kind of what was the build up to that? What was the circumstances around it? You know, what was your audience and that kind of thing? Happy to talk about that. And one other piece I'll add as well to this conversation, because I think it'll be fascinating given the context of your show, since it's yeah. called Circumstantial Failures, is I feel there's a difference between successful and unsuccessful people, specifically with their relationship with failure. So what do I mean by that? When unsuccessful people fail, they see it as a means to an end. So they go, let's say they're trying to do sales in business, and they, they get nine no's in a row. They go, oh my god, I'm not cut out for this, I must suck, I must be a loser, let me just stop. Whereas what successful people do is they fall in love with failure. They see it as output. So I'll give you an example. Let's say we take sales, because it's an easy analogy for us to wrap our head around. So if if a successful make person get does 10 calls and one of them is a sale, and an unsuccessful people does 10 calls and makes one sale, their mindset is different. Let's say the sale is $3,000, just as an example. The unsuccessful goes, oh my god, I had to get on 10 calls to make a sale? I don't think this is cut out for me. Whereas the successful person goes, oh, neat. 10% of my leads are leading to a $3,000 sale? Let me do the math. Okay, so... <laughs> That's your accountancy right? Let me do the math. 10%. Right, so if I talk to 1,000 people, Matt... I'll make 300 grand. Wait, tell me. 100 oh, sorry. People. Is that 100 people? You're right. Because if, <laughs> if, if, you, if you talk to 1,000 people, you do 100. Same thing with podcasting. Yeah. When nobody knew me two and a half years ago, my YouTube channel was like getting started. Nobody was wanted to have me on their show. So I said, shit. Okay, what if I email 100 podcast shows? And one of them says yes. That's dope. So if 10,000 people get emailed... A hundred people are going to be on a show, and I'll be fully booked. I won't have time to be on everyone's show. This odd, that's what happened, literally. So yeah, that's what I'll say. And then the other piece. I, oh, go ahead, jump in. Please. No, no, no. You, you. I want to. I want to keep. I want to make sure you come back to a pitch that didn't go. You yeah, are going to yeah. come back to that. Okay, sorry. Correct. sorry. That, that was what I was. <laughs> okay, yeah, sorry. No, no, no. You're all good because I don't want to monologue either. So don't be shy. <laughs> no, no. Please, please. Yeah, you're all good. So, so how does this apply to the pitch? I've had a lot of unsuccessful presentations, but I don't see them as failures, and I'm happy to talk about one of them, obviously. I see them as a means to an end to become exceptional. I remember two and a half years ago in a podcast, it was so funny. I got asked the, the, the greatest question of all time, which is, where does the fear of communication come from? And I looked at the guy and I said, I don't know, man, Los Angeles, San Diego? <laughs> That's a good guess. Like, I don't know. <laughs> So, so I was lost there. So I made a ton of mistakes there. I remember also when I was guessing on podcasts when I started because of COVID, I had I, I didn't cut my hair. So if you right. look me up on YouTube, you'll see some episodes where I have like a like hair that makes me look like I have a big <laughs> app. It's so funny. You have to see in it lockdown. Yeah, I'll so, check it out. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> but in the context of speeches, though, I gave a presentation. I think it was January of 2020, man. 
And I was asked to keynote in front of like three, four hundred kids. So massive opportunity. So yeah. I prepared a lot for this 25 minute presentation on storytelling. Practice, right. practice, practice. And I get to the presentation 15 minutes before, man. Not 15 days, not 15 months, not 15 weeks, 15 minutes. The girl looks at me and she goes, you know, Brenda, I forgot to tell you, half of this audience doesn't speak English. Can you do half of your presentation in French? <laughs> right. I was thinking, why would you need 15 weeks to turn up beforehand to know what was happening? But yeah, okay. I'll get you now. Yeah. And, and I realized <laughs> that I was screwed. Because, yeah, I speak French, but it's my second language, man. So I'm not that great at it. I've never really keynoted in French before. So I was like, uh, okay. So I literally had, was translating half of my presentation on the spot that I was presenting. And it turned out okay. But, yeah, it was a two oh. Well, there you go. So, so, so there's a situation where kind of – what do you feel like you could have possibly have – what else you could have done in that situation do you feel like? I mean, that one's tough, man. When you only have 15 minutes at <laughs> o'clock. Well, obviously, the ideal situation would have known, even if I knew a day before, or even 15 hours before, so a few hours yeah. before, I would have had enough time to, like, proctor, properly translate and, like, some of my slides to French, all that stuff. When you got 15 minutes, brother, it doesn't matter how good you are at communicating. You just got to figure it out. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's cool. So, I just, I just want to go back to, some of those people that you that you work with so you, you're obviously a massive proponent of you know the fact that anyone can really improve anyone can really sort of sort of nail down their presentation communication skills um for those though that that possibly struggle a little bit more maybe maybe that you know just a little bit slower on picking up some of the tips that you give what could you describe that sort of person? You know, could you describe their background a little bit? You know, maybe their age, maybe their circumstances, or, you know, where they come from, that sort of thing. Do, do, can you think of someone in your mind's eye that, that possibly has, you know, not quite picked up as well as they, as well as others that you've worked with? Absolutely, Matt. I would say that the biggest profile that comes to mind is usually someone who's very, very shy and has a lot of social anxiety. So for that person, it's really challenging to deliver a presentation, to speak out, because they have trouble just talking to people in general. And that, like someone with autism is a good example, where they're high-functioning in many areas of life. But when it comes to social cues, socialization, presenting, they struggle. And I've worked with, with people with autism. So, so here, here's what I would say. The answer is actually the same. I know that's probably something you don't want to hear, because you might I say, know. "Oh, right? Brandon, come on!" But but but, but what else? <laughs> and feel free to counter, because because I welcome that. <laughs> but I would say the answer is the same. Here here's the answer. The answer is the motivation needs to be greater than the fear that it is associated with communicating that idea. So it's not a question of removing the fear altogether. I was super scared when I started. Remember, Matt, I was a 22-year-old kid. Let me paint the picture of people. 22-year-old <laughs> kid in my mother's basement with a bachelor's degree in accounting, no expertise in communication. I'd only coach me 50, 70 people on how to speak, which is good, but they're not executives. They're kids, right? They're 17, 19, 20 years old. I had some experience, but not really a lot. Yet, I still pressed record on my YouTube channel. So why did I do it? Because I had every excuse in the book not to. I could have just said, oh, wait until I'm 30, Matt. Wait until I have a very nice cushy job and I have millions of dollars in my bank account, then I'll do it. Why did I rush in? 
I rushed in for the 15-year-old girl who couldn't afford me. Yeah, sure, the executive might not know, need me. Of course, they need me these days. But, you know, when I started, <laughs> they probably don't need me. But the 15-year-old girl does. Because mm. what's her alternative? Listening to some 60-year-old old guy who thinks they're hot shit because they got seven PhDs and they don't understand anything. I don't understand what they're saying. <laughs> so when you're faced with that option, the only option left is to record. So how does this get reapplied? You don't need to have a big mission in the world to get better at communication. All you need to do is answer the simple question, Matt. How would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? Think about it. We dream about our vacations, Matt. We dream about the expensive things we want to buy. When was the last time we dreamed about our communication skills? And the answer is never. So start. Yeah. Right on. Right on, Brendan. I'm feeling that. You, you get, you're converting me. I'm feeling, I am feeling converted. I mean, so that, you know, that leads me, I guess, on to, to something else I wanted to ask you about. You know, your, the, you know, your YouTube channel and, and the work that you do. Obviously, it's about improving your communication, but, you know what what's really good is 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 you're helping people structure their thinking in such a way that it makes them a better communicator it makes them a better presenter you know and you've been talking about it now you know improving your motivation or ensuring your motivation is is greater than your fear i guess i was wondering where where do you get the you know where where do you develop that thinking that that supports that places a structure around um the communication work that you do do you, do you work with people do you sort of research it off your own back or you know where where do you get those um yeah those insights basically excellent question matt very few people ask me that so so the answer is super simple it's it's really the idea of being a practitioner so i'm i'm different than most people in my industry in the sense the main difference is most people who are coaches in my in my niche are generally academics so they have master's degrees in communication, they have bachelor's, they have PhDs in some cases. One of my friends does, and he does the same line of work that I do. But there's a disadvantage to being an academic. And this the disadvantage, in my opinion, is a lot of the exercises are theoretical. Me, that doesn't work. I'm the opposite end. I don't do a lot of research. I don't read a lot of books. I'm a practitioner. What is actually getting Matthew results? And what I realized is a lot of the stuff that was talked about in textbooks or in videos were just not getting people results. Whereas I'm a full-fledged out coach. I test out all of my ideas on human beings. And if it doesn't work on them, I don't teach it. But if it does work on them, I do. That's why my ideas have evolved a lot over time, whether it's through the channel and stuff. I'll give you an example. I know for a fact Guaranteed, if someone sits down with themselves for 30 minutes and answers how would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator and takes that question seriously, they'll get some insight that they didn't get before because nobody dreams about their communication. But I didn't read that in a textbook. I just know that from coaching hundreds of people. Nobody does it. Right? So that's one piece. And that question, the reason no one asks is because I invented that question because nobody's asked it before. <laughs> right? I'm going to Google it. I'm going to Google Please, it. Please, <laughs> go ahead. Like, hold me accountable. <laughs> and and that's the other piece to a lot of my expertise. This is why I like podcasts. I don't do this for money. Most of my business comes from word of mouth, actually, because you asked me the question, so I'm giving you the detail. Yeah. The reason I'm on the show, because I'm the first guest on your show. Like, this is not like... It's an, this right? is an honor for, right? oh, for me, you. not that's, for you. No, for you. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> that's awfully generous. You don't have to say it's an honor or anything. Come on, Freddie. But, but the, reason, the reason I say yes 
is because there's something I can learn from Matthew that I haven't considered in my logic. So, for example, let's say I'm sharing an idea and you debate me. That's why I told you I'm the most easy to impress you on me. You, you, there's something you'll say that I'll go, you know what, Matthew, you're right. Because there's one thing I got from your show, and I think it's worth actually verbalizing it for the audience to know that I'm paying attention, is you're actually very big on circumstances. Hey, Brendan, just because you have one unique perspective, you can't apply one mold to every single person because everyone's different. That's the takeaway I'm getting from you. So my reflection from listening to you is like, okay, how can I build different use cases for different types of people? It'll complicate things on a podcast, but definitely on a on a coaching setting, I'll need to be more thoughtful about that. So I'm always getting an insight. And that's the other piece is I'm not afraid to be challenged of my own ideas. And that's why I believe I have the best ideas in the industry because I'm not I'm – I'm always willing to get to get shit faced on whatever I'm sharing. <laughs> that's 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 reassuring. Yeah. So can I can I ask you about any any kind of tips or any sessions that you've held or any videos that you've done where you know somebody came back and said, oh, Brennan, you know that that really that really didn't work for me. I'm so sorry to say. Oh. You know, what, what, you know, what could you describe that, that session, that work that you did? And, and, you know, how did you react to that? Or how did you change? Or, or did you change? Or did you just? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, when I say, say I care about the result, that's why most of my business is word of mouth, Matt. I really do. That's why a lot of people talk about me in the places that I need them to talk about. Yeah. Me. Where, where I can get clients. But yes, I mean, you're absolutely right. That's my mission, right? Because I feel I feel a lot of the information is vague. So I'm happy to talk about all the mistakes. There's a lot. I know we got five minutes here, so I don't have time to <laughs> no, no, But, I, but no. I'll, give you, I'll give you a couple highlights. Just, just give me the highlights, yeah. Biggest <laughs> one by far was coaching kids, for sure. So the reason I took on that challenge, I spend maybe 5% of my life doing this, is once again, not for money. It's because I want to understand where does the fear of communication start from. Because when you're five years old, you don't care about communication. You don't even think about it. If somebody tells you to do an exercise, you just do it. So I wanted to coach them to see what hap- What happens. Is it at 10 years old? Is it at 12? It usually happens around 10, 11 from experience. But what I learned from the kids is none of my strategies worked. I remember when I started, I said, okay, kids, we're going to do a presentation. And one of my five-year-olds asked me the best question. And it's very appropriate. The question kids was simple. Ask the, kids ask the best questions. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and, and honestly, they do. And the question was simple and slapped me in the face. What's a presentation? Of course she's supposed to ask me that question. <laughs> she doesn't know what a bloody presentation is. She's five years old. And I said, okay. So obviously I'm, I'm immature at this point because I just got started. I was like, okay, what do I do about this? Because I didn't, I didn't know what to do. So I said, okay, let's call her Julia. Uh, Julia, you, you know, it's introduction, conclusion, obviously the natural follow-ups. Brendan, what's an introduction? What's a conclusion? And I was stuck, dude. <laughs> I was stuck. I didn't know what to do. So I thought about this and I was like, how can I simplify this? See, most coaches wouldn't go there because they would just drop the kids. They would say, let me just yeah, coach yeah, executives, yeah. make a ton of money. And I've done this well This is your problem. This is your problem, yeah, little yeah. girl. <laughs> but I need to figure this out because this is my mission. So I thought about it a lot and I found the solution after a lot of pondering. And the solution was comparing communication to jigsaw puzzles. All kids play puzzles. You know those toy puzzles? So I just asked the kid, when you work on a puzzle, what do you start with first? And they always answer the corners. And I asked them why. And they go, when you start with the corners, they're easier to find, Brendan. Even a five-year-old knows that. 
And that's the analogy that I coach my executives with. When you work on a presentation, I don't use that word presentation. When you work on a speech or whatever you want to share, a discussion, start with the corners first. How about we just start at the beginning? Then the, and then I found the analogy. That's one. Another yeah. shitty one that I did was so funny <laughs> was uh, this story I used to tell called the garlic bread analogy. Basically, what I did, I won't go through the whole thing, also be painful for your audience. But no, I basically. Go on. I want, I'm interested. I'm, yeah, sure. I'm quite partial to garlic bread. Sure, so I'm sure. interested how you work it in. So basically, it was a stupid thing I did when I was 19, when I was teaching my students. Basically, the loaf of bread is foundations. Right, ums and ahs, vocal tone variety, pausing, and garlic butter is storytelling. So I would tell my audience, like, if you were just okay. given a loaf of bread, would you eat that <laughs> loaf of bread? And then they were confused. They, would, they wouldn't know if the, the answer I guess, yes, I guess I would, because it's fresh. And I will go, yes. But if you put garlic butter on top, wouldn't it be fantastic? And they go, <laughs> well, I don't like garlic butter. but And most people would say, yeah. <laughs> so basically I would say, guys... The loaf of bread is foundation. You could eat the bread in and of itself because foundation is important, but you can't just eat garlic butter in itself. In the same way, foundation and storytelling works together. If you have the right bread and you add a little bit of garlic butter on top, it'll be exceptional. So it makes sense, but it's very confusing. Do you get it what I mean? It does make sense, Brendan. Right. I mean, if you'd have gave that analogy to me, I'd have been like, yes, but I lot... would like bread and I would like garlic butter on top. <laughs> You're right. But I would argue, Matt, it, it didn't work with 20% of the people I was speaking with, 10% of the people yeah. I was speaking with. Maybe and it's I'd... a Canadian thing. Right, maybe. And it just doesn't fly <laughs> with me. Like, in the same way, by the way, I am so obsessed with my audience. I know we got to drop it in a minute, but I'll give you this no, one no, quickly. No, no, no. It's like... Back. Is is even when people ask me about my story, I actually adapt it purposefully to who I'm speaking with. So I'm speaking to an American podcast host. I literally say this, you know, other kids my age play baseball and basketball and and you know and football. Whereas when I talk to a UK audience, I specifically say cricket, rugby, and footy. <laughs> even if I've I've never been to the UK. So every little detail matters to me. Yeah, so yeah. I, I've messed up many times for sure. Yeah. And and just last question, just before before you have to go, can can I ask you about sort of, you know, people that you're aware of, maybe people that you've worked with that have had you know bad experiences with with communication coaches, um, you know, what what were some of the what were some of the sort of things that you know the the tips that that were given to those people that didn't sort of you know that came away with a bad experience. Um, yeah, do, do you know anyone like that? Do you, yeah, that that haven't you know benefited the way that would have benefited if they worked with someone like yourself. A hundred percent, Matt. And I would say for me, you know, the reason why I got my first clients because a lot of it was luck. Because remember, a lot of people wouldn't trust a young kid to coach them, right? Is really people who got burned in the past. Yeah, because they've tried the older people and they didn't get the results. So, I, and the offer that I gave them, which I still do to some people is I actually offered to coach them for free for two weeks. So that way they, so that way there's no brainer. And then obviously yeah. I crushed their, but as the point and what, is, what happened with those people then with the, with, as you said, with this, you know, quote unquote, older, more experienced, you know, what happened? in those situations? Here's what I would say. I don't think the problem is the tips that are being shared, but rather the design of the program. So what do I mean by that? What I mean is the tips are the similar. They, they might not say in the same order as me in the same way or the delivery that I would do it. But they'll say like pause more, 
uh, remove filler words, the tip isn't wrong. But the way that it's implemented on the student is wrong. So it's like one-on-one calls, once an hour a week, they meet every hour, uh, and then after five weeks, it's like a few thousand dollars, and they practice for five hours, they didn't really see much output. That's not the way that I work. The way that I work is very different, which is like, you're entering a Navy SEALs camp, you're going to be in a group with other executives, everyone is hardcore interviewed before they get in by me. So if I don't like someone, I don't care if they have the money, I don't bring them in. So yeah. everyone's in A+, and they're all practicing with each other. So even if they're spending the same amount of money, they're practicing three to four hours a week. So the improvement is exponential. And I'm a hard ass when I coach clients. So it's really like, this is wrong, this is wrong. Whereas I find other coaches are more like softy. Whereas me, it's more like, no, I'm going to break your spine until you get a result. You'll break your arm before you get a result with me. Right? <laughs> so that's, So it's either you get the result or I break your arm. So it's a different kind of I don't do that with the general public. General public is no. like, watch my... <laughs> I've seen your videos. Right? You're it's saying... very PR. Yes. And that's intentional. You're, you're lovely. Yes. And I'll say that on the record, by the way. And the reason I say that on the record, because normally you shouldn't share that. But I do that because that's intentional. Because most people can't handle the transformation. So it's really a small group of people who will watch that YouTube video and go like, I don't care how much he costs. I want to work with him. And that person, I have a responsibility to break their arm. Because it's the only way they're going to get the result. So that's the that's another story for another day. Because it, but, <laughs> that's but, but what I want to drive though, before you close, is no, oh, you're right. You don't you don't need to break your arm to get a result. It's just those people that I work with specifically, they need results in weeks. That's why they pay me, mm. not mm. years. If you want to get a result over a course of a few months and a few years, watch the free stuff. You'll get there if you put the work in. But yes, those people in particular, we got to work fast with them because a lot is on the line for them. Yeah. No, well, I can understand. That's fair enough. <laughs> Thank you, Brendan, so much for joining me today. You've been absolutely amazing. It's it's a real pleasure, pleasure, privilege. I'm mixing. I'm, I'm oh God, you, it's the pressure of trying to speak to a speaking coach. You know, I'm getting, it's coming. It's coming over me, but. Thank you so much, Brendan. You've been fantastic. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to maybe catching up again at some time soon. Absolutely. Cheers, Thanks Brendan. For me. 